When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast where we've got another Everton performance to dissect today, but unfortunately it was not the results that the Blues were looking for on Saturday afternoon. Uh, a 1-1 draw with Burnley at Turf Moors to a very early Robbie Brazy goal being cancelled out by Dominic Calvert-Lewin just before half-time. I'm your host, Adam Jones, today joined by Dave Prentice, Connor O'Neill and Gav Buckland. But, Prenner, we'll start with you on um, frustrating, disappointing. You know, they're the words that spring to my mind when I think of that match. What what was your take on it? Uh, I'd agree entirely. Um, I'm trying to give it some perspective here because uh, I had the misfortune to listen to some of the... uh, the local radio phone-ins immediately after uh, the final whistle on Saturday. And it's fair to say uh, the result and performance was not well received by the, uh, well, certainly the radio listening Everton fan base. And yeah, it was a poor performance. It was incredibly sloppy uh, with some of the passing. If I never see three at the back again, it'll be too soon. I just, I've said before, I don't think it works. And clearly it doesn't. We looked altogether better uh, when we went to a flat back four. But, it's a project, you know, so he's only been here effectively one transfer window, Carlo Ancelotti. He's still putting things into place. It's going to take time. We're going to have to be patient. We've had a great start to the season and we've had you know, a pretty mediocre uh, last month, stroke six weeks or so. There's going to be ups and downs. And, you know, you can't be just demanding him to wave a magic wand and get it right straight away. So, yeah, it was frustrating. You know, Burnley, I thought, were there for the taking and we didn't really take that opportunity we went clinically clinically enough in large areas of the pitch but let's not get too hung up about it let's just you know give it a sense of perspective and settle down but yeah it was it was rubbish <laughs> it was um, <laughs> it was sloppy it was poor it was frustrating a couple of flashes of you know here and there uh, you know notably for opportunities created for Dominic Calvert-Lewin but overall it was a it was a very very disappointing afternoon mm. Gav, I know you went on Friday's podcast, but uh, in that podcast, we talked a lot about the need for Everton to make a great great start to this game, you know, come out of the box, blocks flying, really take it to Burnley in the opening few minutes of the game. So it was probably no surprise to anybody that three minutes into the game, uh, yeah. one nil down, thanks to, as Preno says, a bit of a, a bit of sloppy play. Yeah, it's what you don't want, isn't it, really? Um, it was sloppy. It was sort of typical of our first 20 minutes or so. And you're on the back foot straight through then, aren't you? Um, and it was, yeah, it was it was just a poor goal. But as I say, it was just the first first twenty minutes. I thought we were poor, but then certainly at the back we got to grips with things. So I can only echo Preno's thoughts again. That you know, this I know we say Carlos had time time to you know not a time enough to sort things out with to get, but. You don't have to be a three-time Champions League winner to realise that three at the back's just not working for us, isn't it, really, at the moment? Mm. 
and um, and hasn't really worked for us while we've used it. So I'm not sure, not sure whether Carlo is beyond criticism in all of this, by the way. And he was certainly a fault on Saturday, I felt. Not for the first time over the last month for picking what I effectively thought was the wrong formation, probably with the wrong players. Mm. Well, Connor, let's dive into that. I mean, five of the back was chosen again. Uh, I think team selection caused a little bit of a surprise before kickoff. You know, Fabian Delph was chosen at wing back, no Niels Unkunku uh, in the squad at all, yet again. Uh, did, the, did the injury almost come as a blessing in disguise? Because it allowed Everton to change their setup. And as Gav rightly says, I think Everton looked a little bit more solid for that uh, for the rest of the match. Well, I think they looked a different team, didn't they, after the injury? I think it, it somewhat sparked them into life. Um, but no, I, I agree with what Gav said there. I think to like what he said about Carlo, I think, you know, while it's it's easy to say Carlo's only been in for, you know, a year, etc. I think the last couple of weeks, you've got to take it on the chin himself because we can see three doesn't work. You know, we, we were all surprised that, you know, Nazan Kuku's admission from the lead squad. So to not be there on, on Saturday was even more surprising. Then after, you know, 20 odd minutes, Fabian Delph pulls up and it's, you know, you're putting a centre back who's played at right back so far this year to left back. And it just it, it just feels a bit like Carlos at the minute he's put a lot of, you know, round pegs and, and square holes when, you know, quite simply he could be putting round pegs in round holes <laughs> if he if he picks a a the formation or a squad that, you know, covers all areas. And I think you know, ultimately, I think that the, the injury did come as a bit of a blessing in disguise for Evan because they, they were a different team. But you can't start the, any Premier League any Premier League match the way we did in our first twenty minutes and expect to with any matter who you're playing. Fortunately for Evan, I think the fact that they were playing barely helped them massively because, you know, like we, like the guys alluded to on Friday's pod, they were there for the taking and they're not the best team. You know, another another team of you know a bit more caliber could have really put Evan to the sword in the first twenty minutes because it was that poor. So I think that the big question. You know, ultimately, is Carlo probably did get away one, get away with one by Fabian picking up a, an injury, but you know it's got to be better. It's got to be better soon because I know, like Penal today, we had to have a really good start, but the last few weeks have been quite worrying. I think for for all Evertonians because you know something somewhere is just not quite right. Mm. Breno, before the game on Friday, Carlo Ancelotti was saying that playing five at the back or three at the back, like whichever whichever you prefer, he was saying that was an emergency solution to uh, Everton's you know, injury worries in defence. But he had the tools there to not have to play five at the back. It was certainly his choice to play five at the back rather than four at the back. Why do you think he keeps the system with it? I don't know. I've not heard a, a coherent explanation as to why it will help us. Um, we probably do have the central defensive personnel available, you know, so to play that system. But we don't have the uh, the personnel in the wider areas, presumably the more important areas. Uh, Fabian Delph is very much, uh, as Connor said, one of those uh, square pegs in round holes. He's a left back, even though he has played in that position before in his career. Um, but that was what we ended up doing anyway. You know, so moving Ben Godfrey across there and did particularly well, I thought, in the circumstances. Um, so no, I, I don't get it. I mean, the, the, the whole three at the back thing just like leaves me a little bit uneasy. I don't see what it gives us. I don't see, you know, sort of what it helps to create. And okay, it's an emergency, but we proved that, you know, we can overcome that emergency without having to use that system. I mean, we did for an hour on Saturday and looked altogether better for it. Uh, you know, so hopefully that'll be the emergency solution dispensed with now. And uh, we will see a flat back four and we'll see possibly people who are slightly more suited, you know, to the system 
John Joe Kenny, you know, sort of playing in a fallback position. You know, he's had a full season in the Bundesliga. I don't know quite why he's being ignored so comprehensively. Uh, has he been stinking the gaff hours on the training ground? We just don't know. Um, but no, I'm, I'm not a fan of three at the back at all. I just don't think it gives us anything uh, positive or anything, you know, solid to work on. Uh, and hopefully it's just a short-lived experiment which is now being ended. Mm. I think, though, to break devil's out the kick, Gav, I think for me in those opening 20 minutes or so, the main issue that Everton had wasn't really a system problem for me. It was, you know, that sloppy play, Alan giving the ball away, which led to the goal. Uh, I think he gave the ball away a couple of occasions in those first 20 minutes. I think don't think Decore was particularly comfortable on the ball either. You know, it's those individual mistakes in front of the back four that were putting Everton under pressure. What back five, sorry, that were putting Everton under pressure, really, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And and to fair to, to Alan, he sort of got over that. What I like about Alan, even if he's in the stink in the gaff house, he'll, he'll find a way of getting himself into the game. The corner was slightly different. Yeah, I get that, but it's for all the remaining 70 minutes, isn't it? That's the thing. I mean, it felt that they played down, played the channel and our left back, left hand side a lot, Bernie um, using the long ball. And uh, I, what, what puzzled me? about Saturday, and you alluded to it then about Carlo saying that you, it's emergency measure, blah, blah, blah. Well, if that system's that important, then why didn't you have Kunku on the bench? So if Delphi's just an injury waiting to happen, as you know, why do you just retain your system then, Carlo, if that's that important to you? Why did he, he, was, he was forcing himself to change system by not having on Kunku on the bench, which begs the question, well, why have you got the system in the first place? And, uh, you know, when... It was, that was just really frustrating thing about, about it for me. On you know, a couple of Fridays ago, we were picking who we play left in a, a three-four-three. Yeah. And the two players we said should not play left is Iwobi and Delph. I think Fano said you said play Delph a full-back, but not a yeah. left oh, because yeah, it's just too it. too energetic and getting up and down. And Carl, <laughs> all due respect, you know, if we could see that two or three weeks ago, all of us. Mm. You know, I, I can't see why why Carlo, with all his football intelligence and knowledge, can't see the same thing. And I, and that puzzled me on Saturday. I didn't understand why Kunku wasn't on the bench. Mm. To be fair, uh, yeah, and you are right. I mean, after after the first twenty minutes, we were okay, okay, but we're playing Burnley. Here. We're not playing one of the best teams that we have got upcoming over the next month. And uh, you get the impression they were made up with the draw. Um, it was just another missed opportunity, and uh, I just felt totally frustrated after mm. after seventy minutes. Just felt like switching it off. <laughs> it, was just, it was just like you know, it was going nowhere, and it was just a frustrating afternoon with only one or two moments of uh, positivity. I thought Godfrey played really well. Mm. And he must, he must, he must. Uh, you know, he's looking more one of our more valuable players at the moment. To be fair, and uh, I thought he had a good game. Uh, and there's one or two other performances, but apart from apart from that, it was all a bit all a bit flat, wasn't it? Mm. Connor, we've spoke about Delph. What what do you do about Fabian Delph now? It's another injury for him. Looks like looks like a hamstring injury. It looks you know if it's if it's serious, it could keep him out for a few weeks. I mean, that was only his second Premier League start of the season already. You know, <laughs> what do you do with him? I just think he's going to become one of them who would be 
he's going to almost on like the countdown clock in terms of if you're just counting down the hours and the days there's contracts up and he can, he can go because I think ultimately there's nothing you can do with him because I think any chance they had to get rid of him in January possibly even on loan I think have just diminished because why would anyone want to take him because like we've seen he simply can't stay fit he gets fit gets back fit and no sooner does he get back fit he's back on the injury, injury treatment table so I just don't think there's nothing you can do with him I think they've just got to hope that you know, he, he, time moves faster. His contract comes to an end, and they can they can offload him because, like I said, I don't think anyone's going to take. Him. I don't think there'll be you know any real interest from anyone who, who looks to take him. You imagine as well as his wages would be priced high, so that probably put a stop on any potential deal happening. So I don't think there's anything. They can do. I think they can just hope that he, he maybe gets back fit and can play some small part over the over the festive period. But depending on how bad his injury is, he might not feature at all. So. It does. It just. It's just frustrating. I think the whole, the whole of, of Saturday was frustrating from the you know the team news dropping, looking at the subs bench, looking to the way we started the formation, Delph getting injured. Then you know that second half where you think let's just try and kick on here and just move up one gear, not even go through the gears, just move up one gear and and really take the Bailey. And it just never really happened. And I think you know ultimately, Fabian Delph's injury summed up what's been a pretty. Pretty frustrating few weeks for all Evertonians across across the world. Hmm. I have to say, Preno, I felt personally a little bit sorry for Delph uh, when he got injured. He seems to just be in a bit of a run of bad luck, doesn't he, in terms of injuries and you know breaking into the Everton team. Yeah, I, I understand that sympathy. You know, the, the guy doesn't want to get injured. God, you know, he is absolutely trying you know sort to get a consistent run together and you know he was he was energetic and he was getting about the pitch and you know he was trying to make things happen which is how the hamstring went but you know i'm just looking at his career stats now and you know he doesn't play much football and hasn't throughout his career to be honest um i mean aston villa six years there 112 league appearances in that time um manchester city four years and i know Pep Guardiola spoke very, very highly of him, but 57 league appearances in that time. So City were able, I suppose, to use him as an emergency measure, maybe, you know, so bring him in every now and then and then, you know, sort of bring bring him out again. You know, we can't really do that at the moment, you know, so we need players that you can rely on a little bit more than that. Um, and it's not his fault, but it looks that, you know, you can't really rely on him long term. He's 31 now as well, you know, so is, is, is he going to get any less injury prone phrase but it's true you know he does pick up injuries all the time and the suggestion is probably not so i think we are literally going to have to just you know sort of use him as and when we can as you know so maybe a a substitute you know who can come on in games and you know so play 20 minutes here half an hour there when necessary because he's not really shown that you can play it week in week out unfortunately it sounds harsh but yeah you know and i do have absolute sympathy for the lads but yeah the record goes against them, unfortunately. Mm. I suppose, though, Gav, whatever system Everton are going to be playing over the next few weeks with Dean injured and Delph injured, who would be a backup option. Surely now Niels and Kunku's going to be playing, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, who else is going to play there apart from maybe Ben Godfrey? Well, well, yeah, well, yeah, well, it's sort of. I mean, the other thing which we've not discussed about Saturday is I don't know what's going on with Hallgate at the moment. He's sort of in out, in out, and captain, and then dropped and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, well, I, I would imagine. Just, I'm just thinking about Chelsea and the way they play. To be honest with you, first, but 
on face value, you go bottom back forward, Cole, uh, but uh, got three at left back, wouldn't you, really? He's had, a, he's had an incessant start to his head and clear, has he? Mm-hmm. Right back, centre half of the back three, left back in <laughs> about five games. Arguably, um, he played his most comfortable position. Most yeah, comfortable position, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Too. Yeah. Um, but he's come through, okay. Uh, yeah, that, that's the, the only in Conquer or Godfrey, but I think Phil's piece yesterday was well argued, wasn't it, about Carlo will have young players who've got Premier League experience. He's obviously likes Godfrey. He's played 35 times or whatever it was for Norwich and think who's played once. So you get the impression if you were going for a left-back, haven't you seen, seen what we saw on Saturday and on Conku's, on Conku's uh, only appearance, I think Godfrey may get, get the shirt on uh, on Saturday. Pray in a back four, though, not a back, back three. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, Connor, we've talked a lot about the defense. Let's go to the other end of the pitch. James Rodriguez. Uh, he's he's been in the news, I'd say, uh, this morning. We'll uh, we'll go on to Gabby Agbonlahor's comments in a minute, but I just wondered what you thought of Rodriguez's performance because I came out of that game thinking to myself he got much more involved than we've seen over the last couple of weeks. Could have had a goal, really should have had an assist as well. You know, I thought it was a was a quite promising display from him. I agree. I thought his best performances for for a good number of weeks. I thought you know he, he looked great. He looked. You know, he, he looked a threat. Um, like you say, he should have had an assist. I mean, at first, I, I thought Sigerson's chance it was a good save when I seen it live. I thought, oh, you know, he's done well there, hope. But then when you watch the, you know, the numerous replays, you, you're just thinking, how's he? He's literally put it in the one place where the goal is going to save it. <laughs> the whole game's waiting for. Um, but yeah, I thought he done. I thought he done well. It was one of his. Best. I thought it was actually kind of. It was. A, it was a real positive to see him play the way he did because things didn't go for him. Um, we didn't really get the ball to him in, in areas at times where he can actually hurt the opposition. And but I thought in general, I thought he has a really solid, solid display. And I think, you know, it bodes well for, for the next couple of weeks because obviously, you know, it is going to be quite tough in some of the games we've got to come against some of the best the best teams. Um, if he can't stay patient and he can't stay alert and he can look to, you know, create something else and not which he, I think he certainly did for Sigerson's chance look quite easy the way he kind of just goes to through. But I think if you watch the replays and stuff, it, it's an absolute, it's superb. The, the ball through is just, it opens the defence and it's that bit of magic that, you know, we desperately need them to produce on a, on a game-by-game basis if we're going to have any chance. But no, I thought on the whole, it was a really positive display for him and, and it's best for a number of weeks. Mm. You agree with that, Preno? How did, how did you see Rodriguez's game? Yeah, um, that, that problem he had, uh, was it a groin problem uh, and around the same time that he was making you know, trips across to South America on international duty. That appears to be behind him now because he did look a little bit jaded you know, during that period. And he looked brighter. Yeah, he looked more at it. I mean, apart from that, that was an exquisite pass that he played through. And if Sigurdsson had have scored it, people would have been raving about it afterwards. You know, the, 
the creativity, the vision, the ability to give it just the right amount of weight. It was exactly what you know we were crying out for. But he also had a couple of efforts himself as well. I mean, it was a great save from Pope with the one that he tried to bend inside the, uh, the post. So, yeah, he's looking more like the Hammers that we saw in the first uh, few weeks of the season. So that's pro promising. It's very positive. I mean, uh, you know, people claiming that, you know, he's being found out now. People know how to, you know, sort of close him down. It's absolute nonsense, you know. So he's, he's had a stellar career. You don't get found out, you know, so and have a career like he's had. How old is he? 29. And, you know, they've just found him out now. Absolute yeah. nonsense. Um, so now he's, he, he looked bright. And that, that's quite promising, quite reassuring. Because Richarlison on the other flank had one of those odd games, you know, where absolute moments of, you know, penetrating genius, you know, so for the assist for Dominic Calvert Lewin's goal. But then other times, I don't know, just seemed to switch off a little bit at times and wasn't quite at it as he can be. Uh, but no, Hammers was doing it on the other flank. So, yeah, you know, positive signs. And there were positives on Saturday. Not many, albeit. But, yeah, you know, that, that was one, certainly, Hammers' performance. Mm. Well, you wouldn't have thought that if you were listening to talk sports morning and uh, <laughs> those those comments that Prenner was alluding to there were from Gabriel of Bomb Lahore saying that Hammers has been found out. You know, the 2014 World Cup Golden Boot winner has only just been found out now that he's moved to the Premier League. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't particularly make sense to me, but uh, you mentioned the English weather as well. He's getting too cold in England despite the fact yeah. that he's been in Munich over the winter. So, yeah, yeah. Bavaria's not been out for its, uh, tropical climate, is it? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, it's, those comments don't necessarily wash well with me, and they haven't really washed well with a lot of Everton fans today. And it's quite understandable, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, the Munich thing is, or oh, whatever it is, yeah, yeah, okay. But <laughs> I think. If you intend, I'm not going to. The other bit is about being found out. Obviously, as a player, you know, he's been a top player and still is. But whether you say people know now, when he first came over here, first few games of the season, people are saying, what system are going to play? How are you going to fit in and stuff? So he was able to take advantage of that, I would say, in terms of how Ancelotti would employ him in a 4 3 3 compared to the other members of the, the forward line, and even in the 3-4-3, the same. So I wouldn't say found out, but people now have got a greater understanding of what is... I was going to say skill set, but I mean, people obviously watch loads of games or uh, of the role that he plays and how he's adapted to the English game. And, and I think I'll get the argument say, well, like, teams are more prepared to play against him now than what they were in September because you've seen how he plays for an Everton system. So that's what I would say. I wouldn't say he's been found out as an individual. Oh, yeah, if you kick him in the backside of the opening 60 seconds, he doesn't want to know, all that type of stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't, get that, I don't agree with that. But in terms of how does James Rodriguez play within the Everton system and can we counter that, people are better prepared for it now than what they were in September. Mm. And it's up to us now, isn't it, to, to, to vary things and to adapt to ensure that you know where uh, we we make the most of most of his ability, um, so I, I would I'd understand that argument, but I don't understand the argument of yeah yeah he's been found out, uh, you know former you know no, I don't get that at all. If we look at the website, David Alexander Hughes has done a very spirited statistical defence of uh, Hamas Rodriguez, and it just explodes Gabriel Blanlahor's um, arguments entirely. I think over the last three games, he says he's um, created 14 
um, what's the actual phrase? Oh, it's uh, like a chance creating, you know, sort of incidents, whatever. But yeah. basically, you know, sort of 14 significant interventions, which uh, is only three shy, uh, three short of what he did in his first three league games of the season when we were all absolutely raving about him. But perhaps, like, most notably of all, uh, Burnley on Saturday, he actually touched the ball 73 times, which is more than he has all season. So it suggests that he is involved, you know, so a lot more. He's had his little lull. He's had that jaded period uh, that we talked about, you know, when he was flying backwards and forwards across the Atlantic and he was nursing um, a growing problem. And it looks like he's, uh, you know, back at it again. And he'll be needed, you know, because we've got some very, very testing fixtures coming up uh, in the next few few weeks. But to me, you know, he's not nothing to worry about at the moment. No, no, I, I, I agree. Yeah, we've got bigger worries to uh, concern yeah. ourselves with with the team, haven't we? Mm. Yeah. Connor, do you think the side were maybe a little bit complacent about James Rodriguez? When he first joined Everton in the summer, do you think teams were maybe thinking to themselves, "Oh, he hasn't really, he hasn't really played much at Real Madrid recently. You know, he might take a bit of time to get into the swing of things." And you know, he obviously proved proved them very, very wrong at the start of the season, didn't he? Yeah, I think there was because I think there was a bit of a false media narrative kind of created around James Rodriguez and his, his arrival at Everton. Certainly not. I don't think from any of any of those guys. I mean, I was absolutely buzzing when he signed, and I thought, you know, it was fantastic. He was a, you know. What you call a proper, a proper golden boy, wasn't he? You know, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, you know, World Cup golden boot. But I think you know, there was a lot of kind of stuff in the, certainly in the national media in terms of, oh, you know, it, it, it shows how far he's dropped. You know, he's never done nothing since he you know, the World Cup. He was a bit of a six week wonder and he's, he's lived off that, etc. But I, I think because of that, people kind of found a false lull of like, oh, he's probably just there for a bit of a payday off Everton. You know, they've, they've been the ones who've been stupid enough to fall. To fall for the CV, etc. But I think you know after half an hour of Spurs in the first game of the season, when he, you know, he just stole around like the White Hart Lane pitch, like he owns it. He'd been playing the Premier League for years. People kind of thought, oh no, actually this lad is a player, and he has got something about him. And you know, if he does get the arm around his shoulder, that's Carlos certainly gives him. And I think he does need, and I think he's, he's even admits that himself, as he that he, you know, he's found he finds it a little bit tough sometimes at Madrid with the managers and the, the tough of approach. Uh, he, he can shine, and I think. I think everyone was just genuinely taken back by how good he was in the first couple of weeks and he kind of didn't have a position, did he? And he was cutting inside and, you know, I don't know how many times we caught teams out in the first six or seven games with that cross-field kind of switch to Luca Dean that just seemed to come off every time he'd done it without fail. Um, but I think what Gav said earlier about, you know, teams are maybe trying to stop him now. I think that's just football. That's just the way football evolves, isn't it? I think, you know, teams, you, you, you do something for a couple... I think you look at Sheffield United now, for instance... You know, last year they blew teams away for the first show, the six months playing three at the back and the way they set up. Now they're still trying to play that, but everyone knows how to play against them and, and they're struggling as a result. I think the big test now for Everton is they, they've got to get Rodriguez in the game and the game in the game there is waiting for opposition without them getting too stifled and, and too shut out. And that's the next test now for him. But, you know, he's class playing. There's no doubt that he'll, he'll, he'll produce more and more goods for Everton this season than, than, than anyone. And I think, you know, like that guy... Gavin Prennell both says we've got bigger problems to worry about than, than Hamid Rodriguez potentially being found out, which is just ludicrous. I mean, Gavin Prennell has played more Premier League football than me, but I don't think I don't think any show should be listening to that type of opinion, if I'm being honest. <laughs> well, Prennell, while we're sticking with some uh, positives, uh, Yeni Mina back in the side against Burnley. I thought he had a pretty good game, considering. 
Yeah, it was it was the good Yerry, wasn't it? That we're uh, we're used to seeing good good Yerry and bad Yerry. We <laughs> um, want a bit of consistency now, and I suppose you're only going to get that consistency if a you played regularly and b you played in a you know a regular system. Uh, players at the back need to be comfortable uh, with what they're playing. I mean, it, it's it's no coincidence the best defenses tend to be you know the same four players that you can rattle out and the same goalkeeper uh they have a familiarity with everybody's game and they know what they're doing uh, they all pull out at the same time they all hold the line at the same time and uh, if you're changing it and okay we've had to change it you know by circumstances i mean it was described by carlo as an emergency measure um, but the sooner that we can get back to some degree of consistency of selection at the back there um, we're going to see better performances out of those players who were selected. And I said last week uh, in the pod that we did, I said that it's up to the players themselves to do that. You know, so if you play regularly, you get picked regularly, which is why Michael Keane has been selected. You know, so all this season, you know, maybe why he had the the armband. You know, because you know Carlo knows he can rely on him. Yeah, he hasn't done that. He's been up and down. He's made a few you know high profile mistakes this season that have led to goals. But that was a start. That was a step in the right direction. Um, it's going to be a very, very big test if he keeps his place, you know, this weekend. But he made his debut against Chelsea, didn't he? Uh, down at Stamford Bridge last season, oh, two seasons ago, and, and looked, you know, so looked decent. So it's up to him, you know. So yeah, he's shown he can do it. Now we need to see consistency from him. Uh, but yeah, you know, so not to deflate the uh, the positive vibe. Um, it was, it was decent. It was good, Yerry. Long way it continue. Mm. I think Rano raises a good point there, Gav. You know, we've obviously got. Four very good quality centre backs, I would say, on their day uh, in Nina, Keane, Holgate, and now Godfrey as well. You know, chopping and chain hasn't really seemed worked over the last few weeks. You know, we've brought in, brought in Mina, dropped Holgate, made Holgate captain, and then dropped him again. And it's just this revolving, this revolving system just doesn't seem to be working at the minute. Do you think that you know, as Preno says, a, a little bit of consistency in a back four or a back three? Yeah, we sweat at the start of the season, didn't we? Was it was Keane and Mina the, the opening yeah. six, five or six games? Mm. Since then, I don't think we picked it, um, the same back three or two or four, whatever, whatever way you look at it, uh, since. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, the whole thing, one I'm just assuming on Saturday, I don't know what Carlos mentioned this, I, I just read that it maybe that they'll give a bit more of a physical presence up front and maybe just wanted this three physically biggest centre-halves, perhaps. But that's just... I, that sort of sums up the flux to me, as I said, alluded to before. As is that, like, Paul Gate in, I was in, I was captain. I think we've had five different captains in five games now, haven't we? Yeah, Something Michael like Keane, first time. Yeah, yeah, which is again. just... I, which, I, I really don't know what's going on there. I, I know... the fact Carlo has said the past you know he likes to you know he's not averse to passing the, the armbands around but that to me is 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 doesn't sit right with me. And I, I think I think it's that old thing, isn't it? Let's just go back to what we had at the start of the season. Play four three three. If you want to go with Meaner and Key, this is two centre halves and keep it like that. And go with that rather than all the chopping and change. Because the one thing it's not doing, it's not stopping us conceding goals. You know, it's it's. It, I mean, the only good thing about Saturday is that we didn't concede two. You know, um, and so I think we should get back to. I think all managers should do that one if they're struggling. Look at what were you doing when you were doing well, which you were at the start of the season, and go back to that. 
Mm. Which, which I mean, I thought Gomez was a bit in and out on Saturday, but he actually looked a bit more lively than what he has done, to be fair. There was some banal bits, but there was some some really good passing thoughts. Um, and we had Gomez, Decore, Allen. You've got the front three. You've just got to manipulate the full-backs, but there is, there is options there at full-back. Go with that. Mm. Why yeah. not? It's as good as anything. Yeah. You know, um, for all this chopping and changing, three four threes and in out in out, go with that. that that's mm. to me. But yeah, I think we need a bit more stability defensive wise. And it's a, I said, said several times, I've me over the last few weeks. Year, year I was playing, I was saying, Carlos, um, sort of twelve month anniversary, and we're still no nearer to find out what his best and half partnership is. And you've got to throw Brantwaite into the mix here, haven't you? Mm. You mentioned yeah. four there, Ad, but we've also got Brantwaite. Yeah. Of course. So we it's not as if we've got short we've got shortage of centre half, we've got no full backs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is a story in itself, isn't it, really? Which will yeah. for another day that isn't it really. <laughs> well, I mean, do you agree with that, Connor? I mean, like obviously the injuries don't don't make it any easier, but as Gav quite rightly mentioned, we're coming up to a year under Carlo Ancelotti now, and it seems over the last few weeks that he's still uh, trying to find what his best system is, let alone his best starting 11. Yeah, I, th- I think what, what really does surprise me is that, you know, we are nearly a year into his reign and yet we've got big problems at the back. I think if any, when we first got him, the, the idea was, oh, we'll make us, he'll make us defensively solid and we'll stop leaking goals. Um, and it'll be perhaps moving forward where we might struggle and it might take time to build in terms of getting the right plays and, and, and you know, the, the, the right type of creative, creative plays we can afford. But I think, you know, he seems to have got that down pretty much a tier. always isn't a bit frustrating with him, but, you know, I think Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin, you know, Rodriguez, you know, pretty, for what we've paid and what we've got, we're not getting much better than them three. Um, but I think, yeah, it's it's surprising at the back how, how kind of how up in the air it still is, given, you know, with the units was right. And I thought he, he, would, he would have been defensively solid uh, under Carl. I thought he would have had a, a nailed on back four that we pretty much all knew and who would have been. And I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, I think you know we look at we look at the the back the centre backs we've got, and and you do feel a little bit for them because they're probably sat there not knowing where they stand in the pecking order, because you know it, it, it we don't know, but they pop they don't obviously know because one week one of them's in, the next week they're out, the next week you know you look at Ben Godfrey for instance, there was there was you know he come on into the pool for his debut at right back, then he starts at Southampton, then he was missing from the squad completely, then he comes back in on the bench, then he starts. Days at left back, so you know it's. I think they must be signed us out there thinking, well, you know, don't really know where I stand. And I think the sooner we do get two centre halves and we stick by them, two centre halves for the pit, uh, sustained run of games, the better for me. I think um, I agree with Preno. I think you know the best teams always have a solid, a solid foundation, a back four or you know two two centre halves. Everyone knows. And I think for me, I, I think the sooner we do that, the better, and and we give it a real run because. All the swapping and changes at the minute, it's just, I don't think it's suiting anyone. I don't think it's given anyone a chance of succeeding because I don't think anyone really knows where they actually stand. Mm. And I suppose, Breno, like matches such as this one show that even when you've got one of the best managers in the world, you know, it's it's quite a big job at Everton, isn't it? And it's, you know, this is a long term project, even for even for somebody as qualified as Carlo Ancelotti. Well, yeah, that's what I was trying to guess at when I, when we started uh, by, by saying that, you know, I listened to the phone-ins at the weekend and people were, like, ready to jump in the mersey over what they'd seen. And it was like, all right, calm down. You know, let's think about where we're 
um, you know, so 12 months ago. In fact, was it 12 months ago they were getting battered at Anfield, you know, five goals getting pumped Yesterday, up, yesterday was the anniversary. Wow. I mean, yeah, that, 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 was, that was getting battered at Anfield 12 months ago, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. But yeah, you know, that, that was the, the dying embers of, of the Marco Silva spell. Uh, so, you know, it, it's still very, very early days. And um, you look at you know, the successful teams in, in the Premier League at the moment, um, not many achieve success overnight. I mean, probably... Jose Mourinho, is he like the one person that you could maybe say gets a, a significant reaction out of a squad of players as soon as he's appointed in terms of winning silverware? Uh, but not many can do that. And especially, you know, when you're inheriting a squad of players that, you know, the like of which Carla was inheriting. So let's not forget, we've had a very, very fractured, you know, sort of four or five years now where we've had that 11 years of solidity and stability uh, with David Moyes, which whatever you want to think about his, his spell, it was stable. Um, and then we've had ups and downs. We've had managers coming in, uh, changing personnel. We've had different directors of football. Uh, so it's been an incredibly volatile, incredibly turbulent time uh, at, you know, at Everton Football Club. And it needs a bit of stability again. It needs one man at the top who can actually get his own thoughts and his own ideas uh, into how he wants the football team to play. And, you know, Carlo has only just started. You know, it's, it's 12 months. It's not a huge period of time. And I would argue that we are definitely seeing uh, an improved, you know, Everton football club than what we saw this time 12 months ago. So let's just be patient. You know, it was going to be tough. We know that. You know, we've looked at those, that fixture list and said, oh, gosh, yeah, we were asked last week, are we still going to be in the Carabao Cup, the FA Cup, and within a couple of points of the top four by the end of... Uh, January, beginning of February, I'm not so confident as other people were. But that does it's time to start panicking and it's time to start thinking, right, let's make another change. We've got a top-level manager in place here who's proved his managerial you know, uh, ability over decades and decades. So let's just be sensible. Let's just be calm and see what the January transfer window brings. You know, the, the last transfer window wasn't too shabby, was it, in terms of the quality that was brought in? So let's just see maybe another player or two might make you know a significant difference again. Yeah. I think that's an uplifting note as any to end on, isn't it? Frustrating yeah. results, but don't jump in the mercy. I think that, that is the general, the, general, the general message that we've got from the end of this podcast. Lads, thank you very much for joining me and thank you very much for listening. Uh, don't forget you can review us wherever you get your podcasts from and join in the conversation on Facebook and Twitter as well. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.